Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day and welcome to the latest and I believe 124th edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice and we are here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays, uh, such as it is. Uh, the Blue Jays just finished another split against a good team in the American League, which is encouraging, um, except that it's not, because there's no time for splits uh, here. As the end, end of July, hard to believe, the season is more than halfway over, the trade deadline is upon us, and uh, your Toronto Blue Jays, they, have, they, they figure to feature prominently in those trade discussions. Joining me to uh, peddle in and revel in all of the rumors and bullshit. Uh, joining me as always. Old Reliable. Old Reliable, old reliable Mr. Andrew Stoughton, Stoughton. How are you? I am well. Are you well, though? Yeah. Well enough. I'd be better were it not for my 1-9 uh, start to the season, but I'm okay enough. You really think the 1-9 start to the season? See, I, I think... You know what? Let's get right into it. Of course, this sure. is the Birds All Day. We talk about the your Toronto Blue Jays. You can find us on iTunes if you haven't already, if you've just happened upon us this week, which makes sense. This is the one. This is the one that people will find <laughs> who have never heard it before. Number um, number 123 slash 124, whichever it is. One of the 120s, um, you know, more than 70, you know, two years in here, this is the one that people will discover. Um, so we want to make sure we get them Pointed towards iTunes, pointed towards BlueJaysNation.com, where Stoughton, all of, all of his thoughts and missives appear. No, not um, all of even them, though, but many of them. Well, they start there, you, then you then you link them out somewhere else. Yeah, or, yeah, there are things I think that I don't share. Like, <laughs> yeah, like how hopeless this fucking season is, you know what I'm saying? I think hopeless is a, is a, is a strong word. It's too strong. Um, uh, the point of the matter is... The one and nine start is is not reflective of the true talent of the team put on the field by Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. One and nine is the insulation against stasis. That one and nine start is going to maybe, hopefully, allow them to start to build the next good Blue Jays team because this isn't it, and I don't know that there's a chance that the 2018 Blue Jays team is the next good Blue Jays team either. Do you think that? Do you think the twenty you, you you have written a few times about how the twenty eighteen Jays can be fine? They can be good. They have lots of good pieces in place. Um, for me, I see a I, I see a few too many holes. Yeah, no, I, I they can be fine. They can be fine. That's that's like one that's one thing. But that you know you have to take the inflection into account. Um, mm-hmm. like I, I'm not saying that they're going to roll out on opening day as, you know, a, a obvious contender. Uh, I think they can put a roster, put a roster on the field that can win a bunch of games that that can, you know, be an above 500 club. How much above 500? Who knows? Um, whether they can, uh, you know, play over their heads enough over the course of the start of next season, if they sort of go with the status quo, uh, in order to put themselves in a position to get some reinforcements and actually look like a true talent team that is, you know, playoff worthy. Uh, I'm not sure, but I kind of, that seems to be what the plan is at this point. I, I mean, unless there's something really dramatic that's going on behind the scenes that the, that they're not revealing. And obviously they're not revealing a lot of their plans. They're not just outright telling people what they're going to do at the deadline here. But uh, I don't know. You get the sense anytime you hear Shapiro and Atkins speak, uh, that they're 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 just sort of like come on believe no believe us we're we're really gonna do this we're really gonna keep these pieces together and look at 2018 as a year where we can maybe contend and then continue this process that they've begun as soon as they got here which is building the farm system and building it up uh you know sort of behind the scenes while not pissing away the goodwill and the attendance and the tv ratings that uh that they were blessed with from that uh, great 2015 run and 2016, they made it just as far in 2016. They, they did. I mean, yeah, 2015 really kickstarted things. But about what I what I wrote this week, uh, which you know the thing that I sort of came to was you know if you look at 2018 as the year when they really do think about doing the rebuild, uh, what that means, you know, Josh Donaldson will be a rental. You won't get too much for him. That will be unfortunate. 
Uh, and I understand the case that a lot of people would make about if you're aiming to to blow it up in a year from now, unless you're you know sitting atop the division come literally this time next to, next July. Uh, why wait and why not get more value for him now? Uh, I think that part of it is just you know like I said, the market and the TV and the attendance and the goodwill and all that stuff. Uh, I think they can visit. They're in a good position now to. Uh, to minimize the amount of really, really dog shit years. And if they blew it all up right now, that would be adding one to them, uh, to the number that will be coming probably starting next year or, or 2019 as they really start to move pieces and start to move pieces, which is, this is what I wrote about, uh, which would include, you know, your Sanchez, your Osuna, your Stroman, which is the thing nobody really wants to think about. That uh, that sounds horrible. Those seems like they seem like guys uh, you'd probably like to build a great team around. Uh, but I don't know. You start looking at the timing of it. If they if if they think that you know they can just pull the bandaid off quickly and uh, and things will be okay a little bit you know in a, after a little bit of pain um, starting next uh, next year rather than peeling it all away slowly. I, I think that I think that makes a little bit of sense. And that does you know Sanchez Osuna. Strowman next year will have two plus years of control. I looked at you know examples in the piece that I wrote this week. You know Drew Pomerantz was traded with that amount of control last year. Uh, Strowman and Sanchez better than Drew Pomerantz, uh, and he got back a really good prospect at the time, Anderson Espinosa, who has not pitched this year, uh, but was you know top twenty five, I think like twenty fourth on the midseason list of baseball prospectus last year. Um, you know if you can get. A package like that that's better than that because Stroman and Sanchez are better than a guy like Pomerantz, provided they are healthy, obviously. Uh, and if you look at uh, uh, Roberto Osuna, will be in the same position contractually uh, as uh, as Andrew Miller was last year. I don't know how the dollars will work out, obviously, because these guys are all arbitration guys. But uh, I don't know. You start thinking about a Miller package and a couple of Pomerantzes and and guys who will line up better with your. Logan Warmoths and your Vlad Guerrero Juniors and your Anthony Alfords and all these guys that are sort of coming and maybe it makes sense and 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 maybe it makes sense to uh, uh, to not piss away the goodwill just yet and to sort of have that in the back of your mind and go forward in 2018 doing what they've done ever since they've been here, which is uh, you know trying to to make short term deals, mid tier deals, find guys for low cost who can help patch in the roster around what's already here, which is already pretty good. Uh, and, you know, maybe 2018 breaks in a different way and breaks well, and, and that changes the equation entirely. I think that's the best point. The, that's the biggest takeaway that I have. That's the thing I think about the most, where you can, of course, blow it up, and you can extract maximum prospect capital in exchange for an Osuna or a Stroman or a, um, or a Sanchez or... or uh, the same thing applies for of course Josh Donaldson, but if you, you know, do some make some additions, make some smart additions. I think Jonah Carey wrote, wrote about it for Sportsnet. Some uh, kind of control players who have still some control at, uh, attached to them that the Blue Jays might pursue. Uh, so kind of make some smart moves that don't overcommit the team to the present, but also don't don't sabotage the quality of the product on the field. And then you can, you know, back your way in and sort of become like the twins right the twins traded for Jaime Garcia today which is a nice little deal um I, I don't know who the twins are kidding like they're shit they're really <laughs> they don't they don't jump off the page they're two games no. over 500 um if they really think that Cleveland is that vulnerable and they're going to chase them down in the division or that they're going to be able to hold off the Rays and the Yankees and the Mariners and the whoever else on the Blue Jays of course um well then good for them <laughs> yeah you know, or or the Brewers too. If the Brewers start to make a move, right? The Brewers uh, have uh, we're not supposed to be where they are right now. But if you if that's like a bit of a happy accident, then you can go forward and do it. And if the Jays are in that position this time next year, where they are sitting five or six or five or a couple games over five hundred, and all those wild card games are within reach, sure, then maybe you can take a shot. Maybe you can you can make a take a low risk, low ceiling move and see like oh what's what's going what's going on here. And then if so if losing Josh Donaldson to free agency is the worst thing that comes out of it, well then maybe that's not so bad. Maybe you you know you take your draft pick and you go on your way. But uh, but I, I don't think that the Jays are in a position 
you know, they're still attached in trade rumors. I mean, um, I I was going to put the trade rumor stuff off because before I, before we get to the trade stuff, so let's let's put a pin in that, as they say. Mm-hmm. We can talk about we can roster bait and talk about trade rumors and what's the right thing to do. But I think the other question, you know, the first question we want to answer is uh, is how did the Jays get here today? Like, why is it that we have all but written this season off? Um, they can't hit, and then increasingly they can't pitch, and also. Uh, they can't catch and throw the ball, All uh, which is uh, yeah. Yeah. which is a, which is a bit of a troubling, a troubling coincidence. Much has been made about defensive short, you know, shortcomings of of or the Detroit Lewitsky and maybe Josh Donaldson isn't quite the guy that, ha- that he had been before. Uh, Josh Donaldson, who is, I don't think it's unfair to say, like pretty obviously not a hundred percent. Yeah, um, he's been terrible since he came off the disabled list. He's been even worse. Since they went on that road trip to Texas and and um, uh, and Kansas City, they went on the AL uh, the uh, the playoff revenge tour, and mm-hmm. he's been like putrid since then. Um, but I think the big you know the thing we saw today, Francisco Liriano, his rotation spot is somewhat in doubt, is it not? I mean, he's he's terrible, not a, not a trade chip uh, if he ever was one. Um, but uh, you know, they it's just kind of how how it's gone. Nothing has gone right. Nothing has been what it's supposed to be. The player you think you can count on, and all, out of all of them, is playing hurt and not playing well. Marco Estrada has had a pretty severe run of uh, of ugly starts. Liriano was the bit of the wild card, the guy that I was trumpeting all spring long. Like, oh no, he's actually good. He's good. He's good. And now he's been. He only he got five outs today, I believe. Five outs here on Thursday. Yikes! Yeah, something like that. Exciting. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's just. His spot would be in more danger if there were literally anybody to come and take it, is the other thing. Or if there were any stakes to him making more starts or fewer <laughs> well, starts. that's kind of I mean, also where we're at. Mike Bolsinger pitched uh, Dynamite in that uh, extra innings game against the Red Sox the other night. There he is, ready to take that start. Wow. Except he's on the DL. So it's funny, because I made a joke on Twitter about... Um, He's pitching the game of his life for basically right now. Struck out four guys in one inning, and he's going to get rewarded with a trip to Buffalo. And then somebody made it. Uh, somebody I should look their name up. He made a joke about. Um, sorry, he didn't make a joke. He asked a question about. Uh, it looks like he's limping around on the mound, and I said, uh, uh, "Oh, that, you know, that's just a pimp limp because he's just such a pimp right now." I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I made some joke about him about, about slinging these hoes or something. I don't know. But then it came out that he was actually hurt. I mean, to me, I was like, "Oh, look! It's like they're doing him a bit of a bit of a solid and getting him a big league check for ten days instead of sending him to Buffalo." But yeah, no, he's. I think he might actually be hurt. What a ripoff! That is kind of bullshit. That sucks for him. He he was fantastic. It was uh, it was fun to watch. I mean, do, nobody would have any expectation of him continuing to do that. Uh, Strike out four guys per inning? No, I, I don't have high hopes of that continuing. Or even just looking <laughs> like a competent big league starter. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I don't know. It would be nice to uh, have an alternative there. Cesar Valdez is up with his delicious coffee. <laughs> that you have now dated yourself. Uh, very much so, yeah. Um. But again, he's a guy, he's a kind of, the kind of guy. Um, uh, again, he's like a swing. He's a bull singer. Like, uh, yeah, sure. But if you have a bad team, if you're a team who's that, like the White Sox, for example, that are like, we're trying to lose as many games as we can. Uh, sure, bring on all your Caesar Valdezes and your and your Mike Bull singers. Uh, Aaron Sanchez has been battling the the. Blister thing has come back to Aaron Sanchez. Yeah. The starting rotation is like basically Marcus Stroman, Jay Happ, and pray for rain somehow. Yeah, that's basically where we're at at this point. Which, as you say, if there were any stakes, it would it would be a concern. Uh, I mean, I, I think we're being a little too down on that point. I mean, I'm I'm still I'm ready to continue to pretend that uh, that there's still some hope going on here. There is, there is. I mean it. Uh, stranger things have happened than, you know, a team reeling off a bunch of wins and suddenly, oh, shit, they're not that that far back. We thought they were dead in the water. Uh, But when you reach the stranger things have happened stage, it's uh, never a good sign. No, no. When it's like, oh, well, you know, 
to use a uh, a poker terminal a term they talk about having a chip in a chair and that's kind of where the jays the blue jays are right now well the jays got a chip in a chair you know they haven't they're not they're not on the rail they're not on the felt i don't know whatever i'm running out of things to but uh but they don't have much more than that frankly and and they have a they have a big hill to climb and they have play teams around them that are making moves to improve themselves like the yankees and the the rays probably will and the red sox you know you know uh what's his name the Duquette's not going to sit there on all that prospect capital for for his health. Well, the Red Sox are going to do something. I hope Dombrowski. Dombrowski, yeah. Dombrowski, yeah. yeah. He's just dying to make some kind of crazy ass trade. And the Blue Jays, oh. I don't, I don't think that they are. I mean, we ha- we saw that all winter, and you there's a there's probably an increasing part of me or us or someone out there who is thinking that the reason the Blue Jays were so inactive this winter and didn't do big things other than pissing money away on Kendris Morales and Steve Pierce was that they didn't think that the team was good enough then. I think exactly that's what it is. I mean, not that they, yeah, no, not that they didn't. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I was going to try to try to back that statement up, uh, you know, qualify it a bit, but yeah, I, I think that's basically what it is. I mean, I mean, any team can go all, all, all in all the time. Right. I mean, uh, each team mm-hmm. has its own, uh, internal assessment of where the team is at, and that's why you don't see, you know, a, a team trading away all its best prospects in a year where it maybe doesn't look like it has it has it all. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the roster is compete, and I, I, that's that's exactly where the Jays were at, which is which is fine. You know, so so I guess that's how I walked that back is saying, yeah, I think they didn't think that they had it. Uh, they 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 were there, but uh, I think that's most teams where they kind of are in this middle and they wait until this moment to see how things break. And I think that's what they're going to do next year as well. And and I think that the criticism probably of Shapiro and Atkins, uh, until they prove otherwise, is that they're all, they are more of the um, careful sort. And, then, and having seen the previous general manager um, kind of do that, kind of shove his chips all into the middle this is just going to be like the poker analogy podcast um <laughs> but yeah so. he 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 did that and 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 unfortunately maybe now and and in the next couple of years we might have to we might start to see the the other side the every action has a reaction to that um not that not that i think anyone in their right mind would should want to um walk back 2015 and 2016 um, you know, 2015 in particular. I mean, that was that was the best team in the American League that year by the, when the, the playoffs began. The best team in baseball, yeah. Uh, I believe you know, which... I I believe they have as good a claim as anybody to the vacated World Series title. I I think it's only fair to just say that they they won the World Series I would, that year. I would put the banner up to be honest. Uh, they would too. Don't don't <laughs> don't think that they wouldn't. I don't um, do it. Let's do it. Who's who was who would stop us? You can't stop us. Just say we did. Say we won. We were the best team. Fuck it. We're gonna we're gonna stage a parade. <laughs> we're gonna stage a parade in August. Yeah. The 2015 World Series parade bring, in August. Bring back Latroy Hawkins and Chris Colabello. Yeah, let's do this. Do you think Colabello is available? Like, is he free? Or? <laughs> he just signed on with somebody. He did. He uh, got released by the Brewers and got signed by somebody else. Yes. Um. And, uh, I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure David Price will would love to have a weekend out of boston so i would happily take david price back on the blue jays if 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 the whole he doesn't fit in with boston and he's clashing with the reporters or whatever somebody needs a a good place to store uh david price for the next six years he's welcome he's welcome and always welcome agreed it's not my money uh well that's true it's not your money um is there anything else you want to? Oh, the other thing, uh, you you didn't write this as much as you curated some delicious content about um, John Gibbons' future and whether or not he should be fired because he's not a good coach. You see, he's never been a good coach. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So the wonderful. They, they uh, want him out. Well, people don't like Mark Shapiro. They don't like John Gibbons. They don't like John Gibson. Uh, they don't like Jackins. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of blame to go around. They don't. They, there are two people. One person specifically doesn't like. They don't like two people: Brooke Jacoby and the bullpen, which uh, which was my favorite by far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, 
the Twitter and the internet is a great place to find living, breathing straw men. You know, for any for any dumb fucking thought that that somebody you're like, oh, oh, please, you know, nobody actually thinks this. No, there's people out there that think that dumb shit. Uh, and I, I rounded up a few of them as they responded to a, a tweet from Tim and Sid about who is to blame for the Blue Jays' problems. I, I think the answer to who's to blame for the Blue Jays' problems is um, Jose Bautista. He could have been better. He could have been better. It's not his fault. No. It's nobody's fault other than Troy Tulowitzki's. That's a tough it's one. It's not his fault either. It's not anyone's fault. No, it's never it's anyone's fault. The team fault. is. Yeah. I, I mean, just to sort of tie it up, and before we move on to the how we're going to fix this mess part of the discussion, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I don't think anyone would have foreseen Tulowitzki cratering as he has over the last, um, you know, maybe year, calendar year. I don't know if that's fair to say. Again, he had that, he had a really good stretch last year, but. Um, from you know, if you play the arbitrary endpoints game, and you said this last week, you said we're going to do this for the rest of his time in Toronto. You're going to play the arbitrary endpoints game. You're going to be like, look, look, he was a living human being. He's not a cadaver. Because if I pick this game in which he had a home run and, and drew a walk, and I go to the next time that happened, in between there, he had a bunch of walks and home runs and a few singles as well. Um, but it's all the things that are on the outside of those windows of, of competence um, are a guy who often, or often enough. Uh, looks overmatched against against decent big league velocity, and and I, I don't get any pleasure out of saying this. I mean, no, nobody was no. more ex- excited than me. It's just it's it's shitty, mm-hmm. but it's just the way that it's gone. His body is not held up, or is who could have seen it coming? I mean, <laughs> no one could have seen it coming. The guy who could never stay on the field before he got here, who was coming off hip hip surgery the year before. Stunning. He's also the guy that had a 170 weighted runs created plus. Not even, I mean, well, that's oh, yeah. now three years ago, but. Oh, I'm, I'm totally playing devil's advocate because, yeah, like you, I was extremely excited. There were, there were reservations. I think everybody had those, but it was like, you know, screw 2017, screw 2018, <laughs> screw 2019. We were hoping it, would, it wouldn't, you know, be this way this soon. It was more like, holy shit, this. 2015 team is fucking amazing we're actually the best Mm -hmm. team in baseball and yeah that was great and now we're kind of like grappling with the aftermath of it still so the time now has come for the blue jays to address some of these problems to get to mending a few of the holes to even even just to um, put the team in a good position moving forward and also to to maybe see if there's something to salvage in 2018. So I don't think that necessarily the Blue Jays are looking to trade for prospects like, you know, low-way guys, double-A guys. They're not going that route. They're not looking maybe for the highest ceiling. I, the, the understanding would be that they want people who are ready to step in and play at the big league level. One of the Blue Jays' major holes by uh, by injury and then by a performance of those who have asked to fill in <laughs> uh, is second base. Sure is. So there's been some talk about the Blue Jays perhaps pursuing a upgrade at second base in the form of a young uh, left-handed left-hand hitting second baseman who is under team control for uh, quite a few years. Because and I, as I understood, didn't he not sign a contract? He there was a big talk oh, yeah. about him signing a contract. Yeah, he's got. It doesn't look like he's got like four years and fifty million left, or something like that. But did he sign it? It's not on his on his Fangraphs page. I thought it. I looked at his uh, Cots. But page then here it is. Sure, yeah. Oh yeah, no, there it is. Six year contract extension worth about fifty million dollars. Oh, of course, that is Rugnet Odor. Yeah. Uh, John Heyman threw it into one of his John Heyman bags. Um, saying that the Blue Jays have been interested and asked about him before. I don't know what was in it. I mean, you you kind of curated that content. What do you have to say? Did, did you curate well, that, or was that Cam? No, that was me. And yeah, I, I mean, I just said it. He it, it he fits the same bill as a guy like Devin Travis, where you know the Jays were looking around for a second baseman a couple years ago, and he might have been a guy that kicked the tires on because it looked like Profar was going to be a thing, and uh, and Andrews was there. So where were you going to play Odor? So. Uh, as Travis was blocked by uh, Kinsler in Detroit, Odor looked like he might have been blocked at the time as well. And so 
Perhaps this was when the fabled interest between the Blue Jays uh, and Rugnagdor happened. Uh, because as Heyman said in his piece, uh, no, no indications whether it was before or after the incident or not, which is just a way of basically saying, I, I'll let you imagine that it was afterwards and, and get you clicking on this. Uh, but really, I don't know. Everybody's probably had interest in everybody at some point. I have... I'm going now through old tweets as you were talking. I'm looking at things because I am of two minds uh, about Rugnador. Um, he is Scott, like, on, obviously it's, it's easy to dislike him, but he's also kind of fun. I would kind of like him. Well, going into to that, be on my team. <laughs> going into that ALDS in 2015, that was the guy we were like, and I think you specifically were were, were saying, you know. This is the guy on Texas to watch out for. He's the he's the engine that's driving him. He's the fun guy. Get you know, uh, you know, putting the, definitely not taking walks, but was was hitting then. Now mm-hmm. <laughs> now he is dog shit, and it's delightful. Uh, unless the Blue Jays are thinking about trading for him, but yeah, no, I think I think when he's good, Rungetto Dor, uh, much hopefully much like his uh, uncle Rugless, uh, Rugless. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, he's very good. He's he's quite he's he's quite good. But uh, it's been a couple years now. You know, he had I think he had thirty three home runs last year. Uh, mm-hmm. So that kind of carried him a little bit. But uh, this year has just been fucking dog shit. Well, he he has like a JP Aaron Cebia vibe to him. There is not a lot. Of he does hit there. a lot of home runs, but there's not a lot else that he offers. He doesn't get on base. He doesn't walk. I think he walked like, you know, at a Kevin Pilar esque oh, yeah. rate. Might be below. Year. Might be below. It was like three, thing... it was like three point eight percent or something stupid like that. I was just looking at his page today. People talk about his um, his age. He's very young, and you know, a young guy with that kind of power who plays up the middle position. Obviously, that's hugely valuable. And the Rangers thought so when they gave him fifty million dollars. But um, a guy I've mentioned before, Jamie Newberg, the Rangers blogger writer dude. Um, he is among chief among those who seems very irritated with Odor's inability to kind of like improve or develop. He takes shitty at bats in big moments because he's trying to do Rugi Odor stuff and hit the ball, you know, through the upper deck when something a bit more situational would be for the betterment of the team, um, which isn't necessarily. I mean, I don't necessarily subscribe to that same philosophy in terms of what he should do at the plate but that inability to sort of improve and the inability to to take direction or or coaching or instruction it can be a kind of a red flag or just the simple fact that he's just not as good as he should be given a a somewhat linear progression which of course we know isn't real but um he's still a very interesting piece and given all that guaranteed money maybe the rangers would be interested in moving on uh, from the Ruggio door experience yeah, and, it, uh, and interesting also, like you say, he's young. He's 23, which is mm-hmm. crazy to me. I, you know, because he's been on our radar for, radar for two years as well, right? And it, it's, yeah, it, it feels like he has been around for, for some time and that he shouldn't be 23, but so he is. So that's, I mean, still well before when we think players peak and, uh, and perhaps uh, more maturity to come in terms of, understanding how to make those improvements and how to to go about uh bettering himself you know that was the thing that uh you know especially at the all-star game talking about justin smoke as a guy who uh very much the same thing i mean a little more walk obviously but uh trying to crush the ball and saying you know he uh, he was trying to hit 500 foot home runs until someone was like hey yeah, if you hit it 400 to the right part of the park it's probably going to go out too um mm-hmm. And and one of the things that Ross Atkins, I think, said about it, I forget if this was in uh, a shy piece or a Jonah Carey piece or something, but said uh, partly it was, uh, you know, he was just so amenable to changing and to and to listening to instruction and to wanting to better himself, which, you know, if you're Justin Smoke and for fucking eight years you've been Justin Smoking away, perhaps you would be a little more amenable than, than if you're Rubio Dor and it's, it's, you're still early in this process, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's still 
there's still hope for Odor, which could make you know him in, an interesting sort of buy low candidate if the Rangers are really thinking of moving him. And you know, yeah, he's trash and whatever. We know the punch and whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't think the, I don't think the players care, right? Like they they would get over that very quickly. No, it's true. Absolutely, it's true. The players would get over that in a hurry, uh, and the fans probably would as well. I think Jake uh, Jake Goldsby, your friend of mine, made it said something on Twitter. But you, the idea of Odor coming to your team, obviously, it would be a little bit off putting. But you don't want to be the Orioles fans, like I would never, you know, who say the same things about Jose Bautista. Yeah. The difference, of course, being that Jose Bautista is actually successful and has succeeded against the <laughs> Orioles, uh, giving them reason to dislike him, as opposed to just assaulting members of the Orioles, which, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of what Rubio Odor did. Now, one last thing I want to say. You said Odor is only 23, which is true. There's another player, a teammate of Rubio Odor, who's only 24, and I believe he's currently in the minor leagues. His name is Jerickson Profar. He is the former number one prospect in all of baseball. I think the Blue Jays should go and see if they cannot get him from Texas. He is a shortstop, a second baseman. The Rangers have played him in the, played him in the outfield a little bit. He, his results at the big league level have been very bad. Um, but he is—he's uh, got a lot of talent. He's, but he was destroyed by injuries. Didn't play at all in 2014. Barely played in 2015, um, and then sort of was moving all over the diamond last year as the Rangers tried to fit him in, and it didn't really work out. Considering the fact that they've got Odor locked down, and they've got um, Elvis Andrews for a long time still, and Andrews has actually turned around, having I think the best year of his career right now. I think. Oh, Profar, you know, considering a team like the Jays that have such a need for real cover up the middle of a big league-esque quality, he's the kind of guy that I'm, I would be very happy to see the team take a, take a shot at um, as somebody who could potentially kind of solidify at least the, the utility infielder position, a uh, guy who could be, probably even play some third. Uh, and I mean, the bar for that role is so low. You know, God bless God bless uh, Darwin Barney and, and Ryan Goins, but uh, Profar is also also a switch hitter, too. I would love to see the Jays take a shot at a player like that. Uh, I I think you've described somebody they did take a shot at last winter, which is uh, Lourdes Gurriel, uh, who's up to Double A, maybe a little oh, a little yeah, far true, out, you true. know. But there, there's a similar skill set there. But I mean, you can never have enough. Uh, I mean, I would love to see them take a shot at Profar too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want Guriel's presence to block them from doing anything like that uh, by any means. But he's a guy I think who fits the same kind of bill. I, it's unfortunate that he's played so little this year, uh, so far that that you know he's. I, I assume he's going to play winter ball somewhere uh, just to, to get at bats, uh, which would be ideal for them because you know he had a a, mm-hmm. a layoff against you know guys really throwing in anger after, you know, defecting and all that business. You know, he hadn't played in a long time, so uh, he's got to get up to speed. But it sounds like he's doing well uh, to start in AA, uh, which is wonderful because, <laughs> because of the people who looked at his, uh, like, 167 batting average when they promoted him and were like, what is this bullshit? I, I hasn't earned it. Hasn't earned his promotion. And it's, uh, which I had a, a couple fun Twitter conversations with people uh, who maybe didn't quite get the path that he is on and that he's a pretty advanced hitter, you know, playing multiple years against men in Cuba, uh, mm-hmm. that maybe the low minors is not, uh, is not where he is best suited. And that's obviously what the Jays think as well. But it, it seems like he's maybe not a guy there, you know, that you would bring up right this minute, but maybe, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a couple more months in double a, a good look in, uh, in winter ball, a nice spring. If he stays healthy, uh, you know, there's a guy who maybe can fill that role, maybe can play every day for you at a spot, or at least act as insurance somewhere, uh, which I think is what we're looking at next year, right? I, I'd still, you know, to go back to what we were talking about before, I mean, I think, you know, it, Dalton Pompey is not going to blow the doors off anybody, but it, I'd love to see him stay healthy and get a chance to play every day in left field. Uh, he might not hit enough to do that, but, you know, he might surprise you. And uh, Dal- Devin Travis might... Uh, uh, might stay healthy and might have a Devin Travis-ish year. And, and, you know, if things like that start to come together with, you know, more expected production from Josh Donaldson and Russell Martin still somehow getting on base all the time like he's been doing, which is which is fantastic. And he's uh, been, you know, for whatever success the Jays have had this year, he's been uh, huge for them. 
Uh, and if Justin Smoke stays, Justin Smoke, and they figure out what to do with Pierce and Morales and, and sort of make two players one player or maybe even uh, free up that DH spot uh, a little bit if they if, if they need to. I don't think that's... I don't see that Morales stuff happening, but... But yeah, I, I think that's sort of their path to to what we were talking about before about them not looking a uh, uh, you know day one contender, but perhaps having some good things happen and and you know uh, uh, that is yeah a Gurriel and uh, and a Pompey and and filling in positions with guys like that is is uh, I think where we're headed and I think probably uh, for good reason. I think for good reason as well. Now. So that's like the let's fix the next year's team. Uh, there's a name that uh, has been uttered on this show, I believe, well, once or twice, uh, who has found the, that same name has been in a few trade rumors of late. Um, he being the sort of dangling piece that his current team, the Seattle Mariners, are dangling. And his name is Tyler O'Neill. And he is a Canadian person. <laughs> which yes. has attracted me to him and his name. Uh, Tyler O'Neill is also a stud. And he has hit four home runs in the last five days uh, playing at AAA. So if the Mariners are willing to move on from Tyler O'Neill in their attempts to um, demarinerize themselves and actually accomplish something for once, um, I, if I'm the Blue Jays, am at the front of that line offering up a J-Hap and whatever else it takes, like oh, you you, you need a you, you want a hap? How about a Joe Smith? What is what else is going to take to get you um, over the hump this year? Uh, that's going to get Tyler O'Neill where he belongs, frankly, in Toronto. Um, that's in I think Buffalo. I, I, <laughs> he, no, if he no, you make room. You make room. <laughs> He's an outfielder. He can play the outfield. He's your everyday left fielder. Bang. Given that opportunity. If you trade Hap, this means this season is done and next year, right? Hap, like that's a big, huge, almost very difficult piece to uh, to replace at this juncture. Starting with Jay Hap being the linchpin to this entire fucking operation. It's true. How scary is that? It's fucked. But but uh, I I mean it would it would be, you know, it would be like exploding mind GIF or or, or JPEG or whatever you know that is. if if you'd have said that you know three years ago that Jay Hap was going to be that guy. But yeah, no, he's been he's been real good, and and that's such a huge part of the uh, uh, the rotation. That and they've you know losing Estrada and Lariano, they don't have anybody else coming in behind them really. So yeah, gotta if if Hap goes, uh, look out because that's your white flag. Agreed. But okay, Tyler O'Neill. I mean, I mean, where is where is Seattle's AAA team? Tacoma. Like Tacoma. Okay. There's uh, Goma Rainiers like Mount. So what's Rainier, what's Rainier, what's the elevation Rainier. there? That, I mean, he's playing. That's in the PCL, but I, that's not. That like, shit is wet. It is not wet like balls. Tacoma yeah, is in yeah, Seattle. Yeah. It is wet and rainy. Uh, Rainier. That's in the in the in the shadow of the great whatever the mountains is that, are. Is that what Mount Rainier is named for? Because it's rainier than other mountains. I think so. Probably not. We should have the mayor of Vancouver on here. I'm sure he could straighten us out. I would ask him on Twitter, but apparently, I cannot. Uh, anyways, um, this year uh, at Tacoma, uh, three twenty. July highs around seventy-five degrees. Three twenty-six on base. Three twenty-six at at Triple A Tacoma. Seventeen home runs in ninety-two games. Striking out twenty-seven percent of the time. Slugging percentage is uh, four sixty-two. He's uh, hurt though. Your everyday left fielder. He's got, but if you look at on Fangraphs, they have some uh, like scouting grades, and he's got a seventy raw, seventy seventy uh, uh, seventy raw future and present. Ooh, seventy. Oh, 50, he's got a seventy passport grade too here. He does have a seventy passport grade. He's got fifty five future uh, game power. Okay, yeah. It's an OFP of fifty. That's a that's an above average regular. Yeah. I remember, and I mean, you know, for whatever it's worth, I remember Keith Law justifying some of, uh, I think he didn't have him on his top 100, and people are like, Tyler O'Neill, man, like, what the hell? Uh, he's on everybody mm-hmm. else's, and him saying that he's already so big that there isn't the same kind of projection you might see out of... Uh, True. But if, he, but if he's hitting 17 home runs in, in 90 games and he's been hurt, that's uh, there's legit power there, so maybe that maybe there doesn't he, need to be a lot of projection. 
He's hit at every level in his defense. Now, I don't know if Jay Happ is enough. I mean, I, I've just decided that that's what the Mariners need because yeah. that's what the Blue Jays have. <laughs> right. As, we, as one would do, yeah. As, fans as one as, does, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but, but to me, pass forward and everything aside, Tyler O'Neill is if, if the Jays start to peel off some of these pieces, that's the kind of, uh, that kind of echelon, like a guy who is ready or, or close to making the big leagues. Maybe you could get a more a guy with a higher ceiling, maybe a guy with a, who has the potential to make a greater impact down the road. Um, but guys who are busting down the door of the big leagues, guys who are 22 and 23 and 21, who have you know been up the ladder a little bit through the minor league uh, levels, I, I have to think that's where the Blue Jays need to be aiming to to kind of close that gap, as we've talked about, between you know the Bichette and Guerrero and who, whatever the name of, I don't know what what, the, what are the guys they drafted this year? Conrad or Clayton or although they all got those names. Yeah, there's uh, Hagen Danner and Logan Warmoth and Danner and Ho- Logan. Yeah, Logan is like the every like they've got all those WHL names. So it's just uh, but those <laughs> yeah. guys are far away, and you need somebody to, to try to fill that gap in a little bit. I, I, and and this, uh, this is you, obviously, and I, I I think I know the answer. This is you. Dalton Pompey is not a left fielder for you. Uh, Dalton Pompey is what for you? I don't know. I, you know, he, he hit so well when he shot to the big leagues and then, you know, ran his way into all of our hearts, but he, he would be hard pressed to be able to, to hit like a center fielder. I mean, what, what, like, mm-hmm. is there a world, or is there a version of Dalton Pompey that's, that's an upgrade over what we are, what we see in Kevin Pillar now or over the last year and a half? I mean, we, everyone, the jokes, the five win player, Kevin Pillar thing, but, you know, Kevin Pillar can't hit. And yeah. He's a nice fielder and he's a decent and he's a nice base runner. But you know, he has an eighty eight one Raider runs created plus this year. He had an eighty last year, ninety three the year before that, ninety two you know, he's for his career he is a he's a significantly below average hitter. Uh, I mean maybe 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 he's below average at the plate and he's above average in the field. And what what are you gonna get from Pompey that's gonna be that much different than that? Not a whole lot, is he, and is he's he going to lose up? value if you are playing him alongside Pilar. But I mean, the, it would be nice to see some competent defense in left field. But yeah, you I, said I, I this, and you and I—I I think we definitely differ on this. It's not, you know, aesthetically speaking, defense is really nice to watch. But in terms of what's going to win you games, you need guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, no, well, that's true too. Well, I don't. And I don't. Got a couple of them on the way. That. I don't disagree um, with but that, there's... but but yeah, I, I don't know. I I still think. I still, I still see Pompey being in the mix there, maybe with, good lord, not Daryl Siciliani, but but players of that sort of Michael Saunders ilk, or like someone who they're going to get for cheap, who might work out and give us five options, and maybe one of them won't be dog shit. Dare, dare to dream. <laughs> right? Plan the parade. The 2020 parade. It'll be all on hover bikes. Um, the other one is um, D. Gordon. Is a name that's been bounced around quite a bit. Again, going back mm-hmm. to the upgrading second base or or insulating second base against um, broken broken limbs and, and injured knees. Um, I mean, maybe if this is the route the Jays are going to go, if they're looking at D. Gordons and people like that, does this maybe suggest that the whole Devin Travis is the left fielder of the future? Something that's been talked about quite a bit. It's uh, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, I think that's uh, that as much as you can have a luxury in this situation, that's maybe a luxury, uh, is because you know he was they were they were moving him into the outfield in uh, in the Detroit system before he came over, so uh, they thought he could do it at least. I mean, that seemed to be like what they were trying to. Uh, they felt that they could use his bat in the big leagues at some point they saw what they liked in the bat and and uh, and so yeah hopefully that's a thing i mean you worry because you've got got a, you got the damn concrete and a guy whose knee knee isn't healing properly ever uh but i mean you'd probably you're at, you're at the point of you take whatever you can get and see how it goes so i mean if they did a thing like that that's one of the that's one of the five options in the mix that your hope isn't dog shit. So is Guriel, so is Pompey, maybe Alfred. Even though you know Alfred came up and people kind of look at him uh, as a close guy, but you know he's still not had a lot of time in Double A and missed so much development time. I mean he's been he's been so good when he's healthy that uh, 
Uh, I think we tend to forget that he's someone who probably still needs a couple seasons in the minors to really uh, refine what he does. I would expect. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that guy. Just based on what I read. I mean, I'm not. I'm not looking at his damn swing like that. But yeah, I, I, uh, the Gordon thing is interesting. I don't know if we talked about this much last week or not. I can't. I can't remember. I don't I think we did. Uh, but the way I, I wrote about it and uh, this week and the the way that. Uh, the thing that I didn't say about it, which I probably should have, the thing that I, the angle that I missed, and I think a lot of people see it this way, is that it could be potentially a Liriano-ish deal. I don't know if I really believe that the Mariners would give you much in the way of prospects in order to just take all that money. Uh, but maybe because D Gordon's bad. Bad? Yeah, I think so. He has he can't really hit. Well, they, he 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 makes no. there's so much value on the bases that you know it's. This is almost like a Ben Revere thing, where I'll say he's bad, and people will be like, no, he's good, and he'll be pretty good, and I'll I'll, I'll seem like an asshole, but no, he really, I think he's bad. He had a couple good years. He did. Right, he had, right, he before, he got, year. right before he got popped for uh, for taking some sort of steroid, which right. is a du- is a dubious uh, a dubious you know line to draw, but uh, it's it's jumping right out there at you. It is. You are correct. <laughs> um, which is, you know, which is too bad. The case for the Blue Jays. Oh, there we are. That's right. That's attached to D Gordon's page. Um, you know, he does something that that other Blue Jays do not, right? Which, which is what you said. He steals bases, and he's, mm-hmm. he's very good at it. Not like Ben Revere, who's never really been very good at that, and not something, you know, his, his reputation as a base stealer was uh, significantly overblown. Uh, and now Ben Revere also is so bad. Oh, he's awful, yeah. He's been so bad for so long. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't. It's funny because, uh, well, it's it's interesting, and I think it's 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 um, instructive that the guys that the Blue Jays may or may not have been sniffing around are guys like Odor and guys like Gordon, which is doing exactly what the Blue Jays are supposed to do, which is using money. Like using yeah. the ability to spend some money to improve the team, to take on a bad contract here and there, um, if it means that the team will get better because somebody else doesn't have the same kind of financial flexibility that the Blue Jays may or may not be blessed with, and uh, and to me that's kind of encouraging because there you might be able to cheat your way to a to a decent team, taking on some bad money or or work focusing on developing your own prospects, so then you don't need to worry about getting prospects back in trades where you can say okay you you know we'll we'll eat some cash or however it works or maybe the opposite like you know we'll take on the cash associated with the d-gordon but maybe throw in something else to make this trade worthwhile for us um but yeah i can't see d-gordon being he's he's barely an upgrade right he's 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 able to steal bases which is nice Mm -hmm. but that's it defense still looks okay yeah but but yeah no the hitting is not good uh unfortunately it doesn't have any protection there in Miami. I think that's the problem. Oh, that could be that. Yeah, that's probably He made that. two starts at shortstop this year? Hold the fucking phone. <laughs> How did I not know? I guess I bet you that happened right after they traded his um their their actual shortstop. That could very well be. They have a they have a what's that guy? Oh, JT Riddle. JT Riddle. That's the guy that plays shortstop for the Marlins most of the time. Good old boy. Anyway, he's bad too. He plays for the Marlins. It's kind of assumed that he's bad. Yeah, he ain't, he's it, not one of those riddles wrapped in a mystery, is what you're saying. Oh, sorry. In, oh god, wrapped in a vest. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. That's it. That I mean, that, those are the sort of early trade rumblings. Um, but Sergio Romo got DFA today. Maybe the Jays will take a look at him as they try to just get live working arms in the bullpen. Just try whatever they could do to keep J.P. Howell from having to be back on this roster, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Hey, he made it's it through a... He made it through an inning with only two walks for Buffalo today, so that was oh, nice. Oh, good for him. Right. Good for him. It's like, uh, remember Franklin Morales? That did not go very well, it did, did not it? go very well, no. Neither did Glenn he got, Sparkman. He had a nice... Also, also hmm? not so hot. Glenn Sparkman, our old friend. Rule 5 Glenn. Glenn Sparkman... Um, he will serve excellent an excellent purpose 
to reset expectations among Blue Jays fans for Rule 5 guys. That's probably true. Because he's what a Rule 5 guy looks like. Joe Biagini is the exception to the rule. He is the one ugla in a field of spark men. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's uh, the Sparkman thing. Not so good. And even, uh, dare I say, Viagini uh, hasn't looked so hot since that whole starting pitching experiment maybe kind of went south. I think he might need a, a right arm shittiness DL stint. <laughs> That's very possible, yeah. Can't help but feel like he, he was a guy that Gibby obviously worked really hard and... and you know, liked a lot, or, uh, and you know how John Gibbons gets when he likes his guys. They just get ridden real hard, put away wet, and then the Jays were like, "You're going to be a starter now." And then uh, maybe he needs a bit of a break. Is all maybe. I'm saying. Well, I, I think at this point the starters have been such fucking horseshit that uh, most of the bullpen needs a break, right? I mean, uh, Gibbons has had no choice but to uh, Gibbons, who should be fired, of course, according to the vast <laughs> many. It's not a good coach, eh? You know, team takes no, on the personality of their coach. He's uh, no good in the room. Yeah, I don't even know how they fucking expect to be any good with a guy like that fucking coaching him. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, he's, he's got to, he's had to turn to the bullpen a lot. I mean, Fenway tends to tends to do that, I guess, anyway. But uh, but yeah, it's been a little ugly. It has been a little ugly. Speaking of ugly, this one is we're getting a little long. Might be time for us to wrap it up. We've mass, we've rosterbated a little bit. We've we've wallowed in the misery of a mediocre team for a little bit. Now, anything else? You got anything else to uh, to talk about? Not really. Not no. really. I saw I, I saw uh, Iron Maiden on the weekend. You did show. see Iron Maiden. I did not get to see Iron Maiden. Yeah. My, uh, I had planned. I wished to. I, I, you, not not only you were, were planning to go, and, and uh, so other friends were going, and I ended up having to be home. Looking after my kids, which isn't the worst thing, but Iron Maiden is the best thing, so everything looks bad in comparison. Though I I will say, I it was of course it was great, but I'm like I've become now the uh, like I'm a fucking sound man critic now. Apparently, like I can't go to a show without being like I don't know about those vocals, the levels there, Uh, (laughs) and and Iron Maiden in particular. I was not offside with this because. What, there it was just there were frequencies when he would it wasn't about volume it was like when he would I don't think but there, there there were just there were frequencies where he would go above a certain range and the mic would just drop basically uh, and it was uh, you know it was still it was still great I don't know if that was to mask anything or if it was an oversight or what it was but uh, I'm calling out Iron Maiden's uh, sound text because I, it was unfortunate uh, and yet it was still fucking awesome. Uh, I don't doubt that for even one second. Um, I don't think that venue is very conducive to good sound. I've only been there the once, but uh, uh, I that venue, what's it called, the Budweiser Stage now? Yeah, something stupid. I don't know, like the that. amphitheater, whatever, the place that's down on the lake. It seems like it's very busy these days, and it seems that that way because I play basketball on Tuesday nights and I drive directly past there. So every night on Tuesday, all summer long, I'm sitting in traffic for some shitty band. And this Tuesday night it was Muse. I, I, this year I've sat in in Nickelback traffic. This time, this time I was in Muse traffic. Uh, just every the Muse thing. I straight really up messed would, me up. Yeah, I straight up would go see a Nickelback show for ironic value before I would fucking touch a, a Muse show. Like that's just who, trash. Who are these people <laughs> who listen to Muse? I like that to me is is a, is a, it's a whole other thing. I can get most of the. I mean, there was a Chicago and the Doobie Brothers played there the following night. Metallica mm-hmm. was in town. It's been a big. T- it's a big time for enormous stadium seated rock shows. But uh, but yeah, and the traffic that comes out of there. It's so miserable. Um, but what can you do? The, the Nickelback was it the, the Nickelback night. Though that was the night when people were swimming in the tip top tower uh, fountain in their underwear. Mm-hmm. That was that was the sight to see as you're sitting as I'm sitting in traffic on the lakeshore, just out, um, out in front of out in front of Josh Donaldson's house like that. That's just yeah, right cool. in front of Josh Donaldson's house. He can see you. He can see you, and he judges you. And you're lucky he didn't come out and beat you senseless with a bat. Um, I did not go to that concert. I did, on, however, on the weekend I went to see. I went to the movies. Mm-hmm. I am officially buy a coffee when you get there so you don't fall asleep. Years old, 
because I went to to watch the Planet of the Apes at like ten thirty at night, and uh, I definitely had to rock a coffee so that just to ensure. But I will say, in my defense, I have sat alert and enjoyed that film. The guy beside me, less so, fell asleep and was snoring. Oh, and I good. think he was probably younger than me. But uh, I I can't I can't remember the last time I went to see a movie that was like for me. I went, of course, by myself <laughs> on a Friday <laughs> night. Uh, but I definitely enjoyed it. Was it as like, good? Was it as good as the oral history of the Simpsons, Planet of the Apes, uh, Troy McClure parody? Uh, it it they're running neck and neck right now. Wow. I don't well, know if you've seen any of that. So you and I, I, I know I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure that you are nothing if not an appreciator of the original Planet of the Apes with Charlton Heston. Incredible, uh, fantastic yeah. film, incredible film, one of my favorites of all time. Film um, is right. No mere. Movie. It, it is a film. It yeah. is a film. Um, <laughs> The movies, they so they made it. They made a remake, and then they came out with uh, there was the Rise of the Planet of the Apes that had James Franco in it, and I wasn't really on my radar. And then I watched it on uh, probably on Netflix or something one night, and I was like, "Wow, this movie's awesome!" <laughs> and then wow. they made another one wow. called War for the Planet of the Apes, and or, no, uh, what was the one that came after? Battle. I don't know. There was another one that came after, and it was even better. Uh, and now they made this third one, which is like Apocalypse Now, with, but with monkeys. And uh, <laughs> that's the, I assume that was the pitch, probably. It's it's like Apocalypse <laughs> Now with monkeys, but also like on a biblical scale. It's great. It's so good. Those three movies together, though, that is a hell of a trilogy. I really enjoyed all three of those movies. I can't remember what the second one is called now, but uh, but uh, they're great. If you like monkeys, <laughs> and, and we all and, do. Who doesn't? Lord knows enjoy. you like monkeys. Yeah. Dawn. That's what it's called. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Right. Right. Hell of a movie. Hell of a film. Hell, it's, there it's you definitely go. a film. Yeah. Oh, they're they're great fun. Okay. Oh, I guess yeah, yeah. I so. Seen uh, any of these. If if you like those movies, you like monkeys, you like watching monkeys ride horses and shoot guns. <laughs> just knock yourself out. Get out there. <laughs> grab a coffee. Listen to an audio book when you're waiting for the movie to start. When you because you just can't be possibly any older. Um. But get out there and get it. All right. Yeah, yeah that's, my, that's my endorsement. That's my film endorsement. That's my uh, pop, pop culture participant uh, flag that I'm waving high overhead. So that's it. I don't know. That's it? You got anything else? That's it? No. Go see Iron else. Maiden if you get a chance. Don't be like me. Go see I, Iron Maiden. I agree. Uh, but maybe speak to the sound guy. Yeah, I, I heard there was some, a fun story of uh, a group of, of uh, people who are seeing Iron Maiden for the first time. You were on the lawns. Is that not is that fair? I, I actually was not on the lawns. Apparently, you I were. bought fancy tickets. Yeah. Oh, so you so you what you did was in fact you missed out on a bunch of guys starting like a lawn mosh pit. Oh, where nice. they were running into each other like slam dancing up at the very very top, where some found it amusing, but then it went on put the past the point of it being amusing. Mm-hmm. To the point of it being like, are these guys okay? Do they need some medicine? Like, what's going on with these dudes who are killing each other? Yeah. You know, 350 feet away from Bruce Dickinson? Because um, he can see you. He can see you when you're doing that, and he doesn't approve. One of the best anyway. shows One of the best shows I went to there was, uh, I, I mean, it's pathetic because it was the Sex Pistols in like 2006. So slightly, mm-hmm. slightly past their best before date. But they did do, it was like that you used to be able to get $10 lawn seats to, to shows uh, there for like... Uh, for a long time, it was great. You, you know, even if you didn't really give a shit about what, who was playing, you like throw ten bucks down, go get drunk, and watch a band on the lawn. If it's a nice night, it's a great thing. Uh, now they're I, th- I think a little more expensive. But uh, Johnny Rotten was like <laughs> he started the set and uh, he did like some contrived walk off thing. But at one like at one point very early on. He just like yelled at the people on the lawn. It's just like it's a rock and roll show. Like get down here and just the the seventeen year olds who were you know standing at the top of each aisle as the quote unquote security just overwhelmed by dirt bags going down and just the whole lower bowl filled up with people uh, just storming it and uh, then they just played Never Mind the Bollocks and it was fucking great. Relatively. Uh, yeah, relatively. It, the the idea, all like the idea of that, of like get over here, charge those barricades. That's great. Sex pistols are shit, yeah. and they always were. <laughs> I, but that's not the point. I I quite like that record, but fair enough. You you may you may have your disagreement. Thank it's a you. fucking great record. 
All right, that's it. Uh, for the Sex Pistols apologist of all the things in the world, Andrew Stoughton. My name is Drew Fairservice. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on Birds All Day. <laughs>